For Spurs fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews and the best Tottenham videos and podcasts, download the free Coys app now from the App Store and Google Play. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Come On You Spurs podcast. My name's Dan Tracy and I'll be your host for the next 45 minutes or so as we talk all things Tottenham. Because win or lose, we'll discuss the news. It's three up top this evening and that means leading the line from the front around the captain's armband is Cole. So Cole, how have things been this past week? Yeah, really good then. Um, you know, the end of the week wasn't the greatest, was it? You know, it was a bit of a low, but what a way to come back. And obviously, you know, a win against that lot makes it, it makes it all seem better, doesn't it? It really does. Not to mention we're at full strength this evening. That means also back in the fold is James. James, it's been a while, but I hope all is well with you, mate. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, great result yesterday and uh, plenty to talk about. Top man and also making his long overdue return is Trevor Lloyd. Trev, a pleasure as always. How have things been with you, mate? Yeah, good. Thank you, mate. I uh, hope you're all well and uh, taking care of yourself. Yeah, I think we are just about. I think football's not, Tottenham's not helping our health, but it never does, does it? But anyway, let's get into the social media bits first so we can dissect yesterday and more in full. As always, don't forget to subscribe to the Coming to Spurs app where the podcast will be available each and every Tuesday morning. You can, of course, follow us across social media. We're on Twitter at COS underscore COM. And we're on all the major audio platforms. That's Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, etc. You name it, we're on there. And if we're not, let us know. We'll get it on there. Right, let's get down to business. And that business, call, I guess, is an end to the week, which was not, it wasn't perfect. But after the events of a few days before, that will certainly do, won't it? Yeah, definitely. That was much better, wasn't it? You know, um, yeah. After that Bournemouth game, it, you felt very flat, didn't it? Because that was a performance that had kind of knocked the stuffing out of us you know, really badly. Um, I'd not seen a game where we played as bad as that before. Um, so I really wasn't looking forward to this game against this lot because I just felt, well, you know, going forward, they've got you know some really good players in their side who probably could hurt us. We didn't look like we were particularly playing, you know, free-flowing attacking football. So it was really struggling to kind of get excited and and get that feeling of, yeah, we can beat this mob. Um, But I have to say that performance has lifted the spirit slightly. There's still a bit of work to be done and, you know, everything's not sort of suddenly rosy in the garden. But I tell you now, that sort of performance has lifted the mood and that's hope we can just keep going from there and use that to just finish the season strongly and get some momentum going. I mean, James, we were going to do a podcast straight after the Bournemouth game on Thursday. In hindsight, I think that would have been far too raw and I would probably regret saying some things. I think we all would. So we'll get to the good news stories in a moment, that being Sunday. But what did you make of such a meek show against Bournemouth and why really did it happen? I, it was awful, mate. Um, I was I was pretty glad that we uh, that we canned that, uh, that podcast and I think... Judging by the reaction on Twitter when we when we said we were going to leave it for a couple of days, I think everyone was kind of not blaming us, and and you know it really was a dire performance. You're right, we would have we would have come out with some stuff that we probably wouldn't have been very proud of. And judging by the performance yesterday, which was much improved, we would have looked a little bit uh, reactionary. Um, I think against Bournemouth, we just looked so flat. We looked so devoid of ideas. There was there was no one really grabbing the the, the game by the scruff of the neck. Um, and you know, you look at your, your playmakers. You look at your Lacelso. You know, you, you look at Harry Kane. You look at your big game players to 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 yeah, grab the game by the scruff of the neck and and make something happen. And and they were all kind of just looking at each other to try and make something happen. 
um, luckily, you know, we had the perfect game afterwards to to lift the spirits after after that really dreadful performance. And uh, and and even though it's it's not completely forgotten because you know there's a lot of hard work that you know that's gone to, gone to gone down the pan because because of that bad performance against Bournemouth. But yeah, at least it's lifted the the mood of the camp a little bit. And 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 hopefully, as we say, that's that's momentum that we can take into the rest of the season. Absolutely, I don't think winning on Sunday absolves us from such a poor performance on Thursday because you might look back and think two points dropped could be the difference between us being in Europe or not so I wouldn't say it papers over the cracks or anything but you shouldn't just think yeah it's fine because we beat Arsenal you know there are some consequences that come of that which we'll discuss in a bit but Trev when you go into a game like that or watching that game should I say it had that air of it's going to be one of those nights that you could you were watching the sort of first 10-15 minutes that sort of lethargy was kicking in and there were very few flashpoints. One of them, though, was Harry Kane being bundled over and VAR making the wrong call or no call. So you watch that and you're sort of beginning to think that Michael Oliver probably has something of a personal vendetta against us. Uh, yeah, I'm actually as well quite surprised that he uh, didn't give anything Arsenal's way on Sunday. Um, yeah, it was a blatant penalty, wasn't it? Especially considering later on uh, in the Man United-Villa game, what happened there with... Bruno Fernandes getting a penalty for what he got a penalty for and and obviously Kane not getting one. It was, you know, it, it, but, you know, we can't look back on that and just think for that moment that was to blame for the poor performance because it happened so early in the game that there was a lot of time left to, you know, well, win the game really. And no, it was a very, very poor performance and one I want to forget about quite quickly. Thankfully, we're going to do that because without being flippant, that's pretty much it from Thursday. I don't think it even really warranted a 30-minute show at the tail end of last week. So now we've got the board draw out of the way at the Vitality. Let's focus on the main event being Sunday showing. And Cole, what did you make of the good old 4-4-2? Oh, well, there's nothing wrong with going back to the good old traditional 4-4-2, <laughs> is there sometimes? You know, we can come up with all these formations and, you know, play some end commands, play a sweeper, but sometimes just stick a 4-4-2 out there. And you can see the difference. Um, it, it's We seem to play a lot better, didn't we? We seem to look like we have more balance in the side. Um, you know, we, we, we've still got to try and find someone who can sit in behind Kane, haven't we, and be more creative on the ball. I'd still like to see Lacelso play a bit further up the pitch. Um, but I felt we looked more balanced. Um, we seemed to start the game more confidently and whether it was because the players just felt a little bit more secure in that um, formation. Um, so, yeah, you'd have to say he made a good choice. You know, he put the right side out there and the way they started the game kind of showed that they felt, you know, they had a point to prove. Um, so we've got to give um, Jose a bit of credit for that, haven't we? Absolutely. Now, James, we're not short of Lucas Moura debate on this show, whether he has a future, the role he'll play, if he has a future or not. Sometimes we question what he does, and I think he's also sometimes more of a nuisance to our players than he is the opposition. That said yesterday, playing more as a proper left winger, he looks a lot more positive and I think offered more from an attacking point of view. Yeah, absolutely, mate. Um, I think that was more of his position traditionally back in the day. Um, and I think if he's going back to basics, that's where, um, where we prefer him to be. Um, I think we had this debate probably two years ago when he was playing playing up front and he had that purple patch where he couldn't stop scoring. Uh, and, and you know, we, we debated whether he was better off playing down the middle or, or out wide. 
especially when Harry Kane's on the pitch as well, because he seems to take up quite a lot of Harry Kane's space when he's playing down the middle. So I think you know that 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 stage of our of top, of his career at Tottenham is probably overplaying as a centre forward. And and if he if he does convert himself into a bit more of an out and out winger, um, then I think him him holding his width creates a lot more space in the middle. So his his output in terms of goals might not be as good, but in in terms of you know uh, space and and how we're playing, I think it, it could be the way forward. Forward. Um, the only thing that concerns me is is his ability to, you know, get to the byline and uh, and deliver from there. That that could be a little bit of a scare for us um, if if he's going to start every game. But but you know, I think I think he, he does a, a very good defensive uh, defensive job. You know, it, it's what the system relies on is is wingers tracking back and and doubling up. And I think he did a great job there, and he's certainly an option there for us. Absolutely. Trev, I guess with wins over Everton and Arsenal, we've sort of seen the blueprint of sorts of what things might look like once things settle down properly, that being next season really. So if we're going to win games under Mourinho with the players at our disposal, how is that going to be sort of going forward? Admittedly, it might be a tough watch. And over the course of the season, you might sort of think, oh, you know, where's this process going? Why are we going through this? That said, on a derby day, it really is just about getting that job done, isn't it? Yeah, I agree. On derby day it is. And probably against other members of the the top five, top six teams, then, you know, you can live with a performance like that as long as you get a result. But, you know, you don't want to see that all the time because it is very boring to watch. It's mind-numbing. Um, you know, we were equally as poor against Everton uh, on Monday, last Monday night. And, um, you know, we need to be a bit more creative. You know, we definitely need a few players in, in the summer um, to, to help with how he wants to play and obviously move a few players on. Yeah, I think yesterday, watching it, from my point of view, I thought to myself, that's about as bad as I'm prepared to sort of watch Tottenham in the terms of lack of spark energy. But, you know, at the same time, they did get a result, the kind of result that you want or you expect. And then you look at the way they played against Everton, and it was dross by that standard, but they still got the same win as well. So you're sort of thinking, you know, you can't really be too choosy or too picky, because ultimately, if you're getting three points, you are getting three points. That said... It's not just, a, well, it is a results business, but people want to be entertained for their money as well, especially when the tickets are so expensive. That's the something. Yeah, I, mean, yeah. I think with, with the, I think he's been kind of saved by having no fans there because, I mean, like we said, the Everton performance was quite poor. Um, you know, we scored, well, an own goal, and then we kind of just did nothing then after that. And then the start of the second half yesterday was a very slow start. And, you know, you can imagine if there were fans there, they definitely would have you know, got on their players' back a little bit and Mourinho too. Very good point, actually. I don't think we've ever discussed that, Cole, because if you think about it, if you are in attendance and you paid your money, you've got every right to sort of have a, a moan or a boo. So would that drive an urgency from the fans? Would that actually dictate play to be a little bit more urgent? I think yesterday was one of them games, wasn't it, where we was always going to, you could always sit there and think this might have been a game where we needed that ground full and rocking. I mean, don't get me wrong, it seemed to be rocking, even though there wasn't much of a crowd in there, to be honest, because, you know, the fans didn't seem to stop singing. You know, Sky did their very best to keep the atmosphere going um, yesterday. Um, I, You know, I, I didn't think we started the game too badly yesterday. You know, Mora gets that decent shot away early doors. Arsenal, you know, to begin with, were looking really edgy at the back. And you just thought, right, you know, if we can get our attacking players on Son, um, then we've got a real chance here. Because 
I think Arsenal are a bit like us. They've got some decent forwards and, and that, and they can hurt you up front, but they are susceptible for stuff at the back. Um, I think it was a real prime game yesterday, where, as we're saying, you know, if you look at the Mourinho era, I would take those performances like yesterday as long as you get the result. You know, if you said play Arsenal 10 times and 10 times you'd nick the game by the odd goal, even though you weren't the best side, I think we'd all go, yep, against Arsenal, I'll take that. But what you're not going to be able to stomach is the sort of performance that happened on Thursday night against Bournemouth, you know, because they are sides that we should be going. There's no reason to fear that sort of side. We've got a much better squad, much better players. We should be going into those games full on the attack, on the front foot, you know, win the game nice and early. And then you can kind of, you know, then, you know, if you're free up or so by the time the second half starts or on the 50th, 60th minute, then you don't mind seeing your side drop off just to see the game out. Um, so, yeah, I, you know, let's face it. If we win, if we was to suddenly beat all those top six playing that way yesterday, you'd probably go, well, I'll take it because we've spent many years playing really well against them and not coming away with anything from the game. So, yes, I would take those sort of results against that side, but not against the smaller sides. But, you know, it is right. If you start, if we had started slowly in that game with a pack 60,000 capacity, I don't think it's going to take much right now for the fans to turn on Jose. So he needs to make sure he's getting it right. I guess, James, when you look at a more pragmatic approach, which is, I guess, summing up how we've been playing in the last week, fortnight or so. It almost is yin and yang. And the risk you take is when you're sort of working with a base level of creativity, creativity which is quite low, that you might nick a, a win against Arsenal, but then you are punished for slipping up against Bournemouth. So you are trading a very fine line, really, aren't you? Yeah, I think, I think you know, we, we lack really clever footballers is, is something that, that really gets to me. Is that We used to pride ourselves on these these footballers with great attacking minds and players that you, you know you can see them their brain ticking over and, and we just seem to be lacking in those kind of footballers and you know that they're, they're the typical Tottenham kind of players that we seem to have strayed away from and I know I know the game has changed quite a lot in, in the in the last few years but our game now relies on teams being uh, being attacking against us and, and leaving space behind because it's all about pace and, and power and, and hitting the other team on the on the counter almost and I think against Arsenal they they obviously came to to the lane to to win the game they needed to win too so that they went with with fast attacking players and and try to try to get the win against us which which kind of works in our favor but you're right it is when uh we come up against a team like Bournemouth who they you know they're in trouble and they were expecting nothing more than a defeat really against us that a, a draw for them is is like a win, and so they're happy to to sit behind the ball, and uh, and then that's that's where we look at these kind of players who who need to be able to unpick a lock, and I just don't really see it in the team at the moment. Lacelso is obviously the one that you'd look to uh, end on Bele, but he doesn't seem to be getting a chance, and and you know it's all a little bit it can be a little bit stale because the, the, these teams aren't leaving the spacing behind that we need, um, so it, you know it's contrasting styles and and. It's always been a bit of a, a bit of a problem uh, for teams coming to, to Spurs and playing against Spurs uh, and sitting back, and we we tend to play better against teams that that attack us. And you know, you look at how we've tore teams like Real Madrid apart in in the past, uh, but then struggle to to beat teams who are, who just sit with a low block and 
and try and defend against us. It, it's something that we we are going to have to get used to, and and we're going to have to find uh, some kind of solution to it. And Trev, talking of defence, Eric Dyer, obviously he didn't play because he's been banned, a full match ban. I know it's sort of that ship has sailed a bit in terms of discussion, but we haven't really had a chance to mention it on this show. So what's your take on that? Um, I think obviously the ban was deserved because obviously you can't, you know, go into the crowd. You know, he's obviously said he wasn't threatening or didn't do anything wrong. But I think once you step over that, you know, and into the crowd, you're asking for trouble. So no problem with the ban, but... I think the length of the ban, four games, is harsh. And why it took so long? Um, you know, I'd rather it be at the start of the restart so he missed the first four games rather than the last four because he was just, you know, he was starting to get back to the site like it had been. And I was, you know, I wanted to see him with Toby Alderweireld because I think them two going forward could be our new partnership, especially with... Uh, Toby looking like he's getting back into form. Yes, I think we're all sort of waiting for that combination to come together, especially after the Sheffield United game. We've been deprived of it now. Should be happening next season, you'd think. Although, if we keep winning matches up until the end of the season, it might give Mourinho a bit of a welcome headache. That said, Carl, we started brightly, very brightly actually, 15 seconds in, we had a good shot. 15 minutes down the line though, we're 1-0 down. Now, Lacazette, let fly with an absolute missile. So annoying to go behind, but you almost have to gradually say that's a hell of a goal. Yeah, it was a great strike, wasn't it? The, the only thing, if you want to be really critical of that goal, um, and obviously, you know, given everything that's gone on in the last few hours for the guy, you know, you don't want to throw him under the bus at the yeah. moment because you've got to say, you know, feel for Serge with everything that's gone on with his brother and, you know, wishes are out there for him. Um, but that goal does stem from what was initially a really bad touch by him that gets away. Um, and obviously, I would have expected him to do better there. But once Lacazette gets the ball in that position, I'm afraid those are goals that sometimes you just have to sit back and go, there's nothing you can do about that. You know, that is one of them goals. It's a special goal there. You know, you can't be overly critical of your defence. There are times in football where you just have to sit there and go, what a strike, well played. Um, but the great thing was, is then you've got to show your character um, and how you recover from that, because I think that was really vital. You know, I, yeah, I know we're going to talk about Son's goal in a minute, but I don't think if we reply as quickly as we do there, then it would have been interesting to see how the game pans out from that moment. But yeah, special strike um, and just grateful in the, at the end of the day that, that that didn't define the match because could you imagine what today and last night would have been like if it had? Oh, it doesn't bear thinking about really. But James, they always say you're most vulnerable when you just scored. And Arsenal certainly were. Three or so minutes later, a defensive mix-up. See Son with a clean set of heels. David Luiz left for dead, chips over Martinez. And he offers that goal that's perhaps been missing from his performances as of late. Yeah, massive goal. Um, I think, you know, you say that it's a, it's a mix-up by the Arsenal defenders, but it's cliche. He's, he's still got quite a lot to do there. And I think that's a really good finish from Son. And, and you know, there's a, there's a lot that he could have done with it. He could have, could have just tried to go across Martinez but he you know he's, he's a clever player and he he saw him going to ground and, and just dinked it over him and yeah we're absolutely right in saying that, that that if we don't reply that fast I think we really struggle in that game um so that's that that was the turning point in the game for me because I, I just I think Arsenal had their tails up and if and if it stays like that for for a while then 
then it's all it all gets a little bit more frustrating and and Arsenal you know they maybe go ahead and, and grab another one but yeah a massive goal and and you know you've probably seen the stats banded around on on Twitter uh, Son's had a, had a bad season by his standards but some great numbers put up ten goals ten assists and uh, you know he's he's proving that he's a really really important player for us and. I think it's a good position for him playing playing up top there with Harry. I think they they don't really tend to take each other's space up. They they play each other, off each other well, and I think that's maybe one of the downfalls to Harry's game is is that, that little lack of pace in behind. And so if he's got someone as, as fast as Son playing up next to him, then that that might be something that that he can use to his advantage and, and feed off it. And yeah, as I say, a, a great goal and a really really important time as well. Yes, James, you've read my notes because that was going to be the next question for Trev about Son with his 10 goals and 10 assists. I think he's the third player to do that this season in the Premier League. Now, people are saying that Son's having a bad season. That might be true, but I guess it's only really because it's bad by his own previous good standards. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, it's the same with with Kane. You know, they set such a high bar the previous seasons that, you know, if, if they've been off form for one or two games it's easy to jump on them guys than it is you know the ones who perform less consistent uh, throughout the season so you know he's vital to us son um you know like you said goals assists his work rate i think i really like when he goes up top with kane because uh, you know he doesn't do what mora does and makes them same runs he's willing to run in behind he's got a great cross on him as well so yeah he's a brilliant player I guess, Cole, we could also use the same logic for Deli Ali. I can't remember who said it on Twitter, but they were saying that Ali's output has been fine this season because it's measured against someone like Madison or Grealish, which you think, OK, fair enough. But Ali has then arguably come from a sort of greater height to fall down on. So being just as good as those two isn't really something to be celebrated, is it? Yeah, Ali, unfortunately, as you say, because of the standards he set in his first couple of seasons, um, you know, anything where he falls kind of remotely short of that, then we're on his back, aren't we? And and I have to say, you know, so far over the last season or so, it's kind of rightly so, because I don't think we're seeing the same Deli Ali as when he first broke onto the scene. Um, but, he's, you know, he still has a lot to offer you um, as a player. Um you know, and, and I'm sure he'll get a run again. You know, I don't think we've seen the last of him. You know, I know, you know, we've discussed before, haven't we, the fact that if you're struggling for funds um, going forward next season with everything that's gone on, then, you know, could you use someone like Ali to kind of, you know, boost your transfer kitty? And, and we've all kind of agreed that, you know, it'd be, you know, you could be tempted to say, well, yeah, actually at the moment I would. Um, but, I still think, you know, there's a player there. We've just got to get him back to his best. But as you say, when those players don't perform to the standards they've set, because both have set extremely high standards um, in the past, we, you know, it kind of looks really obvious that they don't seem to be having great games, but their numbers still suggest that they haven't been actually playing that badly in all, in all honesty. Now, James, talking of celebrating, we nearly were again in the first half because... Anything Lacazette could have done or did do, there was almost a sense of Ben Davis saying, well, I can do just as good. Because you look at that position and on TV you're watching it thinking, don't shoot, what on earth are you doing? You know, he fires an absolute rocket that really, in any other game, it's a picture stamp goal. It's a perfect shot. Fingertips stop it from being 2-1. How unfortunate was that? 
Yeah, you're absolutely right, mate. I think I don't think there was a Spurs fan who wasn't up against the TV begging him not to take that shot on. Um, but I, I had no idea he had that in his locker. I don't, I don't think anyone knew that he had he had that ability. It was very uh, yeah, very Eric Edmund. And um, I, I think if that goes in, then I, I, I dread to think what the what the scenes would have been like. But yeah, I mean. <laughs> It's it's a bit depressing that we were forced to to kind of have, have a crack from forty yards and we we weren't able to create more chances in that respect. But you know you, you want your players to be that confident and um, you know the, I, I dare say the next time Ben Davis goes goes for a strike like that it will probably hit Rosette. But yeah, it's it shows it shows a bit of confidence that that you never really associate with a player like Ben Davis. He's meant to be the 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 fullback that that doesn't go marauding forward. Um, and almost plays like a third centre back, but yeah, good to see that he's got that kind of confidence. And um, you never know, maybe maybe one day we might see one of those fly in. The thing is, Trev, when you look at the amount of possession we had in the game and then the amount of shots, they don't really correlate. You know, you think how on earth have we managed to have that many shots with that little possession? That almost suggests, or it does perhaps suggest, that we were much more direct yesterday. And I think that feeds into going to four four two against the Arsenal. Yeah, yeah, and I noticed, you know, like you say, a lot more direct. It was a lot more get it to Kane as quickly and as early as we could uh, so he could flick it on to Son, who was running in behind. And, you know, we had a few good chances uh, from that. There was a few with Kane in the first half with the chip um, from Lucas Moura playing a ball over the top. So, yeah, you know, possession doesn't always win football games, um, you know, I think it was something like 36% we had for the game overall. So, yeah, if we can win like that against Arsenal, I'll take it. Well, that's it. And the question now, Cole, is because it's worked against Arsenal, has Mourinho stumbled across a new formation and thought, well, let's see what can be done with this shape. I'm obviously trying anything that sticks. This has stuck to a certain degree. Or was that just tweaking the system in a big game and we might revert to something else against Newcastle? I still, yeah, I still don't think Jose probably knows his best lineup. You know, you still get the impression he's kind of tweaking and trying to see what works really well for him. Um, you know, you, you see at the moment, you know, Bergwijn gets one game, then he get, comes out. Um, you know, centre half pairing can change regularly. So I think he's trying to just feel out and find out what he wants to do. Um, you'd kind of be surprised if now we went away from that um, in the next game at Newcastle. I think we'll probably see the stick to that formation. Um, you're guessing there might be some changes given the kind of amount of games people are playing at the moment. You know, you never know. We may see Ndombele come in the middle because I think, you know, Sissoko and Winks were starting to look really tired by the end of that game. Um, you know, I think Davies could probably do with a, a bit of a rest because he's played every game and every minute. And, you know, you started to see by the end, certain players were looking a little bit leggy. Um, and whether there's enough recovery time for that Newcastle game, I'm not so sure. But I think he'll stick with that formation now and see how we get on in the next game. We just have to hope that we, you know, we play with that same sort of intensity um, and that same passion and drive. Um, and then we go from there, I guess. I, I don't see that being the system um, by the time the season starts next season. I think when Jose can get some of his players in that he wants, I think we will see changes. But right now, having just picked up a really good win, 
you just don't, you know, the rule is, isn't it? Don't don't touch anything when it's broke when it's working. That's right, absolutely. James, the crowding moment of the game, of course, ten minutes from the end. Shumin Song with the corner, Alderweireld with the header. And when you look back at it, you're not going to get many easier headed goals than that in a North London derby. No, I think I think Arsenal have been watching our set pieces and <laughs> and, and they decided that they could have a little rest because uh, I've never known a team be so poor from set pieces and it's just so unthreatening. Every time we get a corner, it's almost like you might as well just give them the ball back because we're never going to do anything from here. Um, but yeah, for for once, it's 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 a half decent delivery. I'm not going to say it's a great delivery, but half decent delivery. And uh, and Toby did absolutely brilliantly with the header. I think I think to to I think he makes the space to start with, and 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 to to find a top corner and have enough power to to get it past the keeper. That's I think it's a it's a really really good goal and uh, obviously a really important one and and massive for a player like Toby because. Um, you know, he he'll have been thinking, what have I what have I done here? Having signed the long term contract and seeing the way we've been playing the last few weeks and and sat on the bench for the last few weeks as well, um, he he probably will be thinking, you know, I, I, this was my chance to leave and uh, and I decided against it. And I think you know, a massive massive mentality change. He's he's just one one of our biggest games of the season. Um, and and obviously with with Dyer's suspension, he's going to go ahead and be probably ever present till the end of the season now so a really important goal for, for Toby and uh, and hopefully a, a, a little change change of heart for, for in terms of set pieces maybe it might be become one of our strong points but I don't want to jinx it because uh, for the last few seasons I've I've really been so disappointed in, in how wasteful we are in those kind of situations. That said Trev Arsenal did offer us a scare when Aubameyang hit the bar then again, bar that chance and the goal, you'd have to say it was a rather dogging and defensive performance from Spurs. A bit rough around the edges, but thankfully it went our way in the end. Yeah, defensively the last three games, we've actually looked a lot better, especially since Toby's come back in to marshal it all. I think, um, yeah, like you said, a few scares and, you know, hitting the bar from a Bamiang, but uh, a lot better. But I still think, you know, our fullbacks are a problem. Uh, both defensively and going forward, they both lack pace. Crossing not great, especially on that right side for from Aurier. So um, yeah, the fullbacks are a problem. I think the centre halves were all right with Toby, Dyer, and Sanchez, who had one of his better games yesterday. It's good to see because I think you know I give him a lot of stick on Twitter, but against the bigger sides, he seems to play a lot better. You know, his, his concentration's there where, you know, when we play the littler sides, when he has not a, a lot to do, he easily loses um, concentration and ends up making a mistake. But I thought he was very good yesterday. Yeah, it's weird how some players can just be definitively big game players, which is great in examples like this, but then they will make more mistakes against games which are perceived to be winnable. So frustrating at the same time. So, what you really want out of Sanchez is just a model of consistency because there is a decent defender there. Young, again, a bit rough around the edges and will grow into, hopefully, an even better player sort of, you know, 12, 18 months down the line. You just need it to be on every week, which I guess isn't really the case um, this season. But, Cole, going into the game itself, did you think the build-up was rather muted? I guess after the events on Thursday, there was a lot of malaise and I think that can be said for both us and also Arsenal with them being a work in progress that added to an empty stadium, it was never really going to be a normal derby day, was it? 
Yeah, yeah. I, you know, like as you say, I think, you know, given our form, I think we were all very nervous, weren't we? You know, I think this is the first London derby in, say, the last three or four years where we've gone into it probably thinking, oh, I don't fancy us here today. You know, most seasons before that, you've always felt confident, always felt like, yep, yeah, you know, the way we're playing, we should be able to beat these, we should be too strong. Um, so I think from our point of view, we were very subdued because I think, you know, we were looking at the way we're playing and just thinking, I don't think we can beat anyone at the moment, let alone, you know, a side that have got some good attacking players. As you say, they're a work in progress. You know, they can be brilliant one week and then, you know, dire the next week. I think they suffer the same way we do at the moment, which is defensively they know they're, they're quite weak and, uh, you know, they can be got at. So I think we all went into it just unsure of, and, and no one, I think, went in probably that confident. As you say, mix it all together with the fact there's no crowd in there, which was such a shame because, you know, that stadium, I think we was everyone was saying, weren't we, before that the one game that stadium was really crying out for and needed was the North London derby to see what the atmosphere we could get going in there. And of course, the first one that we play there, we can't have nobody in there called to kind of set the tone. Um, but you know, it went our way. Um, and as we say, we, we take that every day of the week against Arsenal, you know, especially if you get to see the uh, Arsenal TV and get to see those boys reacting the way they did to losing that game. But let's hope the next time we, we come to play them at our place, there's 60,000 fans in there um, cheering us on. James, did you go in with low expectations? For me, it was actually probably one of the calmer derbies that I've watched in a long time, to be honest. Maybe even the calmest, not because... I was just far too relaxed, but I just thought, well, you know, uh, it is what it is, really. We're at that point of the season, there's not a lot to play for. What about your standpoint? Yeah, I have to agree, mate. Especially, you know, usually you wake up on, on Derby Day, um, the heart's racing, you, you can't wait for the game to start, and, uh, and you, you know, you, you're on edge from the start. Whereas, I think even when they scored, I didn't react. And then when we, react, when we equalised, I, there was very little reaction for me at the time. Obviously, Toby's goal... Uh, I reacted to that because you know it was so late in the game that it it, it kind of meant that we were going to go on to win the game from there. But that's that's just not what I'm like on Derby Day. Um, I think it was because, as well as the game meaning very little, I think it was uh, the game, the Bournemouth game. Really, I think it killed a lot of us off. Um, I say we were all chatting after the Bournemouth game, weren't we? And we were all very. Um, very downbeat about Tottenham there's a lot of especially I think it's not just Tottenham in general I think it's 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 falling out of love with football in general a little bit at the moment um, especially you look at you know Bruno Fernandes getting that penalty for Villa I know you mentioned that Trev and that that really that hurt really because it it's it's almost like the the the, the, levy, the, the playing field isn't level at all and the, the the amount of VAR decisions that they got wrong on that Wednesday uh, Thursday night was just ridiculous and uh, yeah I just think that my love of football was just was kind of depleted in the run up to the to the to the London derby but yeah it, it has brought it back a little bit you know going above them is is massive and and if if we can finish above Arsenal that'll be a very small glimmer of hope in in what has been a very poor season but. You know, it, it would rescue just that little bit of feeling for me um, in that we could finish above them and at least we've got that, you know, at least even though things are bad, 
for us, they're not quite as bad as Arsenal. Uh, and that that is a very small victory, but it's a victory nonetheless. Trev, do you think some of it comes down to the fact that football's come so thick and fast as of late that there wasn't really the opportunity to have the mass build-up? Because usually, you know, Derby week, it gets going on a Monday and it builds and builds and builds. You have that shit show against Bournemouth, everyone's deflated and it's like, oh, we've got Arsenal on Sunday. There wasn't really that kind of vitriol or ramping up of, of feeling, was there? No, no, I agree. Obviously, with Arsenal fans, well, Arsenal, sorry, they played, what, Tuesday night, so, you know, they had a longer break than us as well. Um, yeah, but at the start of the the restart, I've watched almost every game, but like you said, there seems to be a, a game on a night at the minute and it's just, you know, it's too much. It's And the football's not been that great, so it's kind of easy to just switch it off and, you know, not watch it. So, but yeah... Um, we would, we 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 done all right, yeah. Cole, I guess if you're running a marathon, watching football at the moment, it's like the twenty third mile. We've really hit the wall, haven't we? Yeah, I think that comes with the performances, though, doesn't yeah, it? True. You know, I, I think if you were playing free flowing attacking football where you were looking good, I think then there's a level of excitement because you know you're sitting there thinking, wow, you know, anyone we come up against. If we're on form today, these guys can really, you know, they could tear these apart. When you're watching a side that, as we've said, doesn't seem to have much creativity, you know, there's players now that are frustrating us that I think have just been there too long doing the same old things week in, week out, year after year. I think you can get to a point where you just go, I've had enough of this. Um, and, and when things are not going well and the football is not great, then it's always easier, I think, just to go, oh, I'm not interested in this at the moment. Um, I, I do think it would be different. You know, if we'd been we'd come back and burst on the scene from the restart and, you know, killing teams off three or four nil. I think the buzz for that game yesterday would have been right up there. I do just think those recent performances had kind of taken a lot of life out of Tottenham fans and actually for once we were feeling you know as I say we were going into it thinking this could get really ugly for us um, and this could be a real bad day at the office and just thankfully it didn't turn out like that we'd now just have to hope that they can take that into the Newcastle game because again what we don't want to do is one step forward and then go two backwards we need to finish the season as strongly as possible you know there's no chance of Champions League. That that is gone. We know that's gone now. But that's finished strongly because we need these players to finish strong and, and get some confidence because we know we're not going to probably see that many changes in the summer. So we need these players, you know, and the majority of them will probably stay for next season. So we've got to find some form and get something going. Um, but that's all I think it was, just the, you know, the lack of performances, the lack of results, and I think it does kill you slightly. Uh, just jumping on the back of Carl's point there. Yep. Um, do you reckon, you know, obviously it should be quite easy to get yourself up for a North London derby. The worry is, is that motivation going to still be there, you know, when we go to Newcastle on, on Wednesday night? Or was it just simply for the fact it's Arsenal? But that is the, that's the key question, yeah. isn't it? Can, can they now have played like that? You know, the only good thing that I, you know, I said to someone the other day, the only good thing that you could take from that Bournemouth result was if we'd steamrolled them and brushed them away 4-0 or something, we could have gone into this Arsenal game, 
you know, maybe too confident. The only glimmer of hope from the Bournemouth game was that they now need to give us a reaction in the next game. And the next game is Arsenal. We just have to hope they're professional enough that they get themselves going just as much for the Newcastle game. And I think that's what, you know, good sides do, don't they? You know, the good United sides, they weren't just... They didn't just turn it on when they felt like it. They turned it on against everybody week in, week out. So that's just hope, like you say, Trev. It wasn't just one of them. Get up for it because it's Arsenal. The next game, oh, it's only Newcastle away. So that we're not too bothered about that one. Yeah, I think it sort of ties back into what I said earlier in the fact that when you watch that game yesterday, that's the benchmark of your team being gritty. It might not be pretty or how free-throwing as it was before, but if that's the kind of grit they'll put in every week... More often than not, they will get those kind of results. Everton, we didn't play as good, but we won. But because Everton have got nothing really sort of going forward, they were dross that night themselves. So it was like two bad teams going up against each other. Bournemouth was an aberration. So if you could sort of grind out something like you did yesterday, I'm happy with that. I know it's not going to be universally accepted and thinking, yeah, this is the football I've paid to see or I'd love to see. But you never know, it might get you further up the table or at least sort of reinvigorate what we've come from a month or so ago. That said, James, obviously, 4-4-2 again means another midfield combination. This time, Winks and Celso. Do you think that is something going forward that we can utilise more often? Or is it a bit too fragile on a week-to-week basis? Well, I think it was last time I was on the show, I, I said I said that Winks and Celso is the, is the centre midfield partnership I want to see. Um, I, 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 I was kind of thinking it, it was, I think it's off the back of... The, we played Chelsea away, I think. They, they, they were a midfield two there and, and everyone thought that's going to be too lightweight going into it. But I don't think they, they had such a tough time in midfield as, as, as we thought they would. I think they're both very, uh, you know, very combative midfielders. That What they lack in uh, in size, uh, they make up for in mobility. And, you know, you can have a player like Musa Sissoko in there uh, who, who, you know, bulks out the midfield a little bit uh, in terms of power and, and, and strength. But then you you know you're playing with ten men in terms of players that can pass a football and and players that can you know if the ball drops to them in the box they can have a shot because Sissoko he, he just hasn't got that to his game so I think you know the way that Los also has been playing as well he's been he's been very you know eager to get stuck in and, and make a challenge and and I I kind of trust him in that sense that instead of playing as a traditional number ten. Like we thought he would at the, at the front of a of a three, I think he could probably play next to Winks in 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 a two, and and then we play someone like Ndombele when when he's when he's firing um, in front of the two of them, and I think it, I think it would work pretty well, you know, in, instead of Ndombele being being the one that's further back, or even you know just have Winks at the base and have Lacelso and and Tongi ahead of them, I think it it it'd work. Um, I I think. I think we need to get away from this, this kind of thinking that it's it's an absolute necessity to have a big, strong defensive midfielder in there because there's been plenty of teams that have done have done it without. You know, less less the Leicester team that won the league had had Conte playing there, and and you know you could say that yeah, Drinkwater next to him, he's not exactly the biggest bloke either. So I think if you've got someone who is good and mobile and and can get about the pitch and can most importantly, get themselves stuck in. I, I can't see why we would need someone like Eric Dyer or someone like Sissoko in there just because they, they happen to be a foot taller or, uh, you know, can throw themselves into a tackle. Um, I, I just, you know, look at look at someone like Scott Parker who did a great job for us 
there. I think Harry Winks could could be that kind of player, and especially when you've got Lacelso in there, he's hardly shy of, of getting stuck in too. Um, I think when when we drop into our defensive shape, there's not really that need for for a big uh, a big defensive midfielder. I might be completely wrong, um, but you know, I, I just I, from what I've seen, I think it could work, uh, and especially if you throw someone in there that um, that can that can pick a pass ahead of them. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I think it's certainly something that's worth a try. And Trev, talking of midfield, Oliver Skip got a handful of minutes at the very end. Now, Mourinho said it was because he's a young lad who needs to experience a North London derby. Now, apologies if that's not verbatim, but I think that's the gist. So, with him coming on over in Dumbele, is that a damning indictment for the French international, or were Mourinho's motives quite genuine? Uh, yeah, I think Ndombele's finished. Really? Um, yeah, I do. Yeah. Um, whether he's not bringing him on because he doesn't trust him or he's not fit enough or whether it's just because he doesn't want him to get injured because he wants to sell him on in the summer. But, you know, he, he didn't, I don't think he played minutes in the first, what, two or three games. And, you know, that, that's, that spoke volumes to me, but that fact that he couldn't even get 20 minutes, you know, in a, a two nil win over West Ham, he couldn't get on, couldn't get on the first game back. So yeah, I'd, I think Mourinho's made up his mind on Endombele, which is a shame because, you know, we've seen glimpses of what he can do. There's definitely a talent there. And I love how firm and hard his passes are into, you know, the strikers. But Mourinho just doesn't seem to like him for me. And I think his days at Tottenham are numbered. Well, I mean, personally, I think it's a shame because you've spent so much money on him and you'd like to think there's a good player there. And I know he'll go somewhere else and be that good player that we all hope. The only positive that can come of this is that we cash in, get the same kind of money back, which even in this market might be difficult, but say 50, 55 million, hopefully spend that wisely and we can sort of evolve from there. But that's, you know, easier said than done, isn't it? Cole, now we have to look at the European conversation. One that gets a little louder, but at the same time, with Man City's European ban being dropped, it means we have to work a little harder to get into Europe. So can it be done? Yeah, you know, if you look at the table um, and the games, there's obviously enough points to be one where we could do it. Um, I personally think we'll just miss out. Um, and then I think we go into the debate, don't we, that I know we've had before, which is, is it better to miss out completely or do you still want to get the Europa League? Um, I think we probably all have different views on that. I know James is very strong that he wants the you know European football, even if it's the Europa League. Um, I wouldn't mind having a season away from that. Um, I think if we're going to have one season out of Europe, this might be the best season to do it, given everything that's gone on with COVID and possibly the lack of transfer activities, because it could be the one year that we miss out, but still keep most of the, the crown jewels, if you like. Um, and then obviously you can get to go without that Thursday, Sunday, Thursday, Sunday routine that no one seems to like. Um you know, I, I do think we'll miss out. But, of course, if you put a good run together now and a few teams slip up, you know, Leicester seem to be falling away. Um, you know, Wolves look good, but then they can go and throw a couple of results in like they've had recently. You know, you could possibly still make it. I just think we'll miss out, unfortunately. James, I think the sense of in the club is that the Europa League is better than nothing. And Mourinho himself has said that he's not a massive fan, but he's been in it twice, won it twice. So you'd like to think from that statement that if we do enter it, we'll take it as seriously as we can. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I think that they they kind of have to say that within the, within the club. They they can't really 
wish for us to finish lower in the table um, than than uh, than we're going to. You know, I, I think they they and they they are they're told that we need to be playing in Europe. But no, I, I have no doubt that that Mourinho probably does want to play in Europe. Um, I think it's. I've said before about how I feel about Mourinho and his trophy thing. I I think that it's more for a, a personal goal to him rather than him actually wanting to win a, a trophy for Tottenham. Um, but that's you know that's a different story. I think yeah he he wants to be in the Europa League, um, so he he can have a, an easy-ish trophy to to lift at Spurs, and and then you know be seen as this kind of savior, the man that saved Tottenham. Um, that's just my personal opinion. Um, but you know I, I think uh, it would be good to, to to be in that competition and and to win it. It would be good for us. Um, Obviously, it's not the level that, that I think we should be playing at, and everyone knows that. But I think in the situation that we're in right now, um, yeah, it, it, it wouldn't be the worst thing. Uh, Carl's absolutely right. I think if, if there would, was going to be a year to be out of the Europa League, this might be it. But I, I, you know, I always think we should be competing in Europe. Uh, and, I, you know, that's, that's just my preference. Um, but, yeah, I think Mourinho could, could use the, the, the competition to to personal avail and I think you know we've got quite a lot, a lot of players in the squad that that would benefit from it too getting minutes on the pitch that they wouldn't get um otherwise and and yeah we you rightly say we we uh we we would hopefully take it seriously and and hopefully it wouldn't have too much of a take too much of a toll on our on our domestic form um again you'd say that we've got the squad for it um but you know we, we've said that in years gone by and it hasn't been that way but you know, hopefully, hopefully we finish as high as we can, and, and and we can compete on more than one front next year. That's that's what that's what all we can hope for, really. Because Trev, if we were honest, it might actually be the quickest route back to the Champions League. Because for everyone who says let's do a Leicester Chelsea, that is a great gamble. That it is great if you do it and you bounce back straight away. But if you don't, then you sort of get caught in a negative spiral. And Cole is right to a degree that it might be the optimum season to get caught out in this sort of thing because you think actually nothing really changes at the same time do we really have a squad who's good enough or clear enough in its current guys to be finishing ninth or 10th and then thinking yep yeah, we're going to crack on and win the Premier League next time around no I'm, I'm a firm believer that you know we we need need the Europa League um, you know you look at the likes of Man United and Arsenal when they get into the Europa League they use the earlier rounds to you know play some youth players you've got Greenwood coming through at United, you got Sacco coming through at Arsenal, who, you know, were chucked into the Europa League and now they're regular first team players. So I think it's good to, you know, play a few youngsters, get them a few minutes, see what they can do and see if they can take it into the Premier League. But yeah, I, d- I definitely think we we do need it. Uh, whether, or, whether or not we'll get it, mm, not 100% sure. But with next season, like you said, you know, there's no guarantees we can do that, especially as United are going to spend, City are going to spend, Chelsea are spending, Wolves are flying up there. So it's it's a competitive league to just say, oh, we'll focus on the league because, like you said, anything can happen in the Premier League. Right, Carl, we've got about seven, eight minutes left and you can pick one last topic. You can either talk about Newcastle Wednesday or you can talk about a missing plane. What would you like to talk about? Uh, let's, let's go with the missing plane. I think it'd be good, obviously, to get everyone's thoughts on that one there. Is the correct answer, because luckily they're on my notes. So <laughs> I'll, start, I'll start with you, Carl. Right. 
in all seriousness, whether you think a plane is the right thing or not, I'm not sure if it's funny or naughty that people have ponied up for this and it's nowhere to be seen. What's your take? Yeah, I mean, I'd have to question it. Anyone who put any money towards that probably deserves what's <laughs> happened to them in this instance, don't they? Because, you know, first of all, what, what do you really think a plane with a banner, you know, what difference do you think that's going to make, you know? As we've, you know, a few people have said, you know, if missing out on Champions League football doesn't seem to be panicking Daniel Levy, then I don't think seeing a plane go over his head with a banner saying Enoch out for, you know, two minutes is really going to pester him too much or make him lose any sleep. Um, it is wrong. Obviously, whoever's done it and has taken that money and done a runner, um, very naughty. But maybe that is karma for those who put some money in towards it and kind of says, you know, listen, there, there's if you really want to make a statement and, and sort of get some some a movement going, a plane with a banner is not the way to do it. You know, you might want to look at some other options there. Now, James, we talk about not wanting to be that team down the road. I guess when you look at a plane, it's a little bit too AFTV, really, isn't it? So whether you agree with Enoch or not, a plane flying above a pitch is an awfully naff concept, isn't it? Yeah, it absolutely took the words out of my mouth, mate. I was thinking, look, I mean, you can be Enoch in or Enoch out. You can have whatever opinion you want about about how the club is run. At the end of the day, it's your football club and, and you're always going to be entitled to that opinion. Um, but it's just not the way to go about things. It's all very, yeah, it's, it's all a bit pikey and it's a bit, it's very Arsenal. So... <laughs> I'd much rather us, uh, us find some other way of voicing our displeasure. Plus, you know, if that plane goes over for you, as you say for, for two minutes, um, that you know we 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 beat Arsenal on the pitch. So you know, it's it's all very contradictory. It's like, well, we're we're beating Arsenal on the pitch. We everyone's unhappy. We, you know, at that moment in time, Daniel Levy's probably going, well, what what is wrong? Like, what 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 is wrong? Because you know we're we're playing well on the pitch. You know. Um, Daniel Levy has constantly been bailed out by by his players and by his managers, and 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 that is the long and short of it is that he he, he we have overperformed with with the squad that we've had for the last ten years. So you know he he to him there's there's nothing gone wrong, and and the only thing that is gonna gonna show Daniel Levy that there is something seriously wrong is if is 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 you know our, our end of year position. Um, and, and you know, if we end the year strongly now, it might it might shoot us in the foot, and uh, and and you know, Dan, Daniel Levy might see this as another example to to not another chance to not spend money in the transfer window and and go into next season, uh, you know, hopefully carrying the momentum. But no, you're absolutely right. The, the way to the way to go about it is not to to take people's hard earned money and uh, and fly a plane over the stadium. Um, and hopefully, you know, if there if there are some kind of other ways to to voice our displeasure, then we'll get the opportunity to. But but at the moment, uh, that is not the way to do it. Now, Trev, I know you've nailed your curse to the Enoch outmast. So, what's your take on all things aeroplane? And if you're not sort of a fan of that, what do you feel is a better form of protest for you to sort of get your ground roots? Well, actually, it's more than that now. But you know, that sort of thing that's swelling up. How do you actually sort of show your displeasure in a better way? I mean, I, I personally didn't mind the idea of a plane going over. It, like the guy said, it wouldn't have changed much. I doubt Levy would have cared that much. But, you know, people are free to get their voice across however they want to. Um, how they can in the future, um, you know, it's 
it's quite difficult because when you're at the game, you don't want to be singing about the owners. You know, you don't want to, you know, that potentially distract the players on the pitch. We saw what happened at Arsenal when there was protests with, with Wenger. Their team just completely fell apart in game and then it turned very hostile and nasty in the stands. So, you know, the, I think maybe the best way then is to do it is before the game outside the stadium. But, you know, does that get as many eyes on it as people want? Probably not. So I'd, I don't really know what the answer is for the best way to go about it. I just think, you know, if if people want to fly planes over, if they want to create banners, then, you know, that's that's what they'll do. Right, I think the moral of the story is do not give your money to strangers on the internet, especially if you're booking a plane. Right, we've got about two, three minutes. Very quickly, and I mean very quickly, I want your predictions for the Newcastle game on Wednesday. Trev, I'll start with you. 1-1. Uh, 1-1. James, yourself? 3-0 uh, Tottenham. 3-0. Cole, what about you? Do you know what? I'm going to go 1-0. I think we'll keep the clean sheet going and we'll just nick another another result here. I'll go another 2-1. I'll take that. I think we'll another win. Keep that momentum going. And hopefully we might just creep into the Europa League at the end of the season. Right, that's about it. Time to do the admin, which first up is sending our condolences from the show to Serge Aurier after the awful news which broke early on Monday morning. And of course, I need to thank all the guests. Trev, another cracking effort this evening. Thanks for your time. Thank you, mate. Really enjoyed it. No problem, mate. James, top work. Pleasure as always. Yeah, thanks for having me again, mate. And uh, hopefully Sam again next week. Cheers, buddy. And Carl, thanks as always to you as well. Cheers, Dan. Really enjoyed this one, chaps. Top man. Right, with that said, it just leaves me to say that my name's Dan Tracy, and as always, come on you Spurs. For Spurs fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews, and the best Tottenham videos and podcasts, download the free Coys app now from the App Store and Google Play.